Thanks for tuning into this week's message. For more resources and information about Cedar Valley, please visit cvchurch.org. Last week, uh, Pastor Amos uh, shared a great message on the importance of the Word of God and reading the Word of God and getting into the Word of God. And uh, we learned that the Word of God is alive and it is active and it is sharper than any two-edged sword. He was marching up and down the stage here with a giant sword. If, if you weren't here and you missed it, you want to you, you see it online, recap it. But uh, we learned that the Word of God transforms us. And so I'm hoping that over this last week that you have had some time to move towards the Word, to have explored the Word a little bit more. And if you haven't, I'm going to just challenge you to do so. Uh, spend the next week uh, and, and, and get into the Word and look up the Bible plan that we have for you uh, on our website at Cedar Valley Church. Have you ever thought that there might be something in your life that is missing? Have you ever had that nagging idea or thought that, I don't know, but there's just something that's not right. I just can't put my finger on it. There is a void inside. There is something that is missing, and I just don't know what it is. That urge to figure out what that is, I believe, is something that we all share in common. If I can only get that education, then my life will be better. If I can only get that job, then I will be okay. Uh, when I get a boyfriend or a girlfriend, then I'll be whole, right? You complete me kind of a thing. If I can only get that bigger home or that newer car or that other job position, then things would be complete. If I could have a child, then my life would have purpose. In a room this size, I am sure that you are sitting here and you know that there is something missing in your life and that missing piece in your life is causing you so much pain and so much hurt and so much agony that you feel that you only need one more hit, one more swig, one more pill, one more cheap internet thrill. Something is missing. Something important is missing. Shortly before his death, songwriter and lead singer Queen up here on the screen. He said this in an interview right before his death. You can have everything in the world and still be the loneliest man. Success has brought me world idolization and millions of dollars, but it's prevented me from having the one thing we all need, a loving and ongoing relationship. According to his own words, Freddie Mercury, he died tragically with a void inside, something that was missing, and yet he was so close. Actor and comedian Jim Carrey puts it this way, I wish everyone could get rich and famous and have everything they ever dreamed of so that they would know that's not the answer. <laughs> to Jim Carrey, right? <laughs> Amen to Jim Carrey. But that is true. It's not the answer. 
Being rich and being famous is not the answer to that missing part in our lives, to that missing peace that's causing us sorrow and, and anguish, perhaps. So what is the answer? What is the answer? Well, that's what I'm hoping to spend the next 30 minutes or so exploring with you. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 8, verse 5. If you have your Bibles, would you, would you stand up with me as we read the primary text? This is just something that we do here at Cedar Valley Church. And we stand up in reading of the word because we, we, we believe that God speaks through his word. And so we just do this during the primary text and reading of the primary text. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, we would love for you to have one. Uh, on your way out after the service, we have uh, Bibles on high-top tables in the lobby. Uh, just make sure that you grab the right one. We have them in English and in Spanish. Uh, anyone up on, on the balcony, if you wave to me, I'll know that you are in Matthew chapter 8. There you go. Awesome. You're with me. Um, when Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him, Lord, my young servant lies in bed, paralyzed and in terrible pain. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. But the officer said, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come into my home. Just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. I know this because I am under the authority of my superior officers. And I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go and they go or come and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to those who were following him, he said, I tell you the truth, I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel. And I tell you this, that many Gentiles will come from all over the world, from east and west, and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the feast in the kingdom of heaven. But many Israelites, those for whom the kingdom was prepared, will be thrown into outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the Roman officer, go back home. Because you believed it has happened. And the young servant was healed that same hour. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that your word is blessed. Father, we don't have to bless your word because it is already blessed. It's, it's life-giving. You have put your power and your life into your word. But I do pray that in this time and in this moment that you would allow for your word to come, to come alive to us, that we may understand it, that we may be challenged by it, that we may indeed be transformed by it. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would remove any distractions right now we consciously put them aside and we say to you, Holy Spirit, speak to us. Make the word of God come alive to us. We ask in your precious name. In these verses, we find a person, a Roman officer who was missing something in his life. And because he was missing something in his life, he came to Jesus he approached him, and he was rewarded. 
Let me repeat that again. The Roman officer missed something in his life. His servant was ill, was sick, was paralyzed, was in deep agony and pain. And that piece of him, it was missing in his life. And so he approached Jesus and he was rewarded. I want you to see here that he says, Lord, that is amazing to me. This is a Roman officer who's coming before Jesus, a simple Jew, not a Pharisee, a Jew, not a, an important political figure, a leader of Israel. No, 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 a simple man, a carpenter. And this Roman officer who is occupying, who is the occupying force of Israel, is coming to Jesus and he's saying to him, Lord, that's an amazing thing, what this officer did. He says, he calls Jesus Lord. I want us to utilize and to use and understand that this officer, his approach to Jesus, we can learn something from it in our relationship with Christ, in coming to him so that we may be rewarded. He starts by saying, Lord, so many times, and I'm guilty of this in my prayer life, I have started with a long laundry list of ailments, of maybe pain or, or issues in my life. And what tends to happen when I start praying there or when I start my approach to Jesus there is that my problems tend to become so large that God becomes smaller. I tend to just focus on the problem and, and it becomes a drudgery to pray. That long list, I just got to get through them and check, check list, check, 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 check. When we approach Jesus, we need to utilize the same approach that the officer, the Roman officer did. He started by saying, Lord, you see, when we start with declaring who Jesus is, when we approach him, something different happens because the Lord Jesus is matchless. He is awesome. He is powerful. He's so much bigger than anything that is in my life, any issues that I might wrestle with, any, any, any wound, any, any, any missing part. He is so much bigger than that. So when I come to Jesus, I declare him Lord. He is sovereign. What is missing inside, it becomes small in comparison to a matchless Lord when we come to him. Note here that he says, please put it back up again. He says, Lord, I am not uh, my, no, back again, the other one, first one. Lord, my young servant lies in bed, paralyzed and in terrible pain. The Roman officer identified with his, his servant. He had deep empathy. And that's another thing that we need to incorporate as we approach Jesus. We need to pray with empathy. We need to put ourselves in the shoes of others to do that. Next one is saying, I am not worthy it is with humility that he comes. The Roman officer, he didn't say, well, I'm an officer and you got to do this. I have 
accomplished all of these things. I have these accolades in my life. I am this important person in my church. Or I am the pastor. No, no, no. He comes and he says, I am not worthy. He understands that he is utterly, utterly unworthy of the reward that he is seeking. And we need to do the same. I am not worthy of this. But anyway, please come. Over and over again throughout Scripture, the Bible says that God gives grace to the humble. So we come to the Lord with humility, understanding I am not worthy. I come to him humbly and with humility. And God gives us grace. Next one is just say the word. The officer, he knew a thing or two about authority. He understood it because he had many people under his command. He could just say a word and it would be done. And I, I love that. Just say a word. That's the faith of the officer. Just one word. He had seen Jesus. He had heard him. He heard the authority in his words. He saw the effects of Jesus' words. When Jesus said something, when Jesus spoke a word of healing, people got healed. And so he recognized that you just have to say a word. And you know, there is no distance in prayer. I love that. And he understood that. Just say the word. Because he knew that the Lord Jesus, the matchless Lord, the all-powerful Lord of Jesus, his word had full power and full authority to change the situation. He says, Lord. The officer came to Jesus with the right perspective of who Jesus was. He asked with empathy and humility, and he knew that all authority was in Jesus' hands and in his words. And the next thing that I love about this passage of Scripture and that we can learn from the approach of this officer to Jesus was that Jesus was amazed. Jesus was amazed. Have you ever wondered what it takes to amaze Jesus? <laughs> it says Jesus was amazed. Well, I've wondered that, and so I did a study because I wanted to know, how do I amaze Jesus? <laughs> I love Jesus, and I want to amaze him. And I've discovered that there are two instances in the Bible where it says that Jesus was amazed, and both of them had to do with faith. Both of them had to do with faith. In Matthew chapter 6, it says that when Jesus was in his hometown of Nazareth, he couldn't perform as many miracles as he wanted because of the disbelief of the people there. And it says that Jesus was amazed at the disbelief of the people. And so I want to be a person who amazes Jesus in my approach to him and in my requests of him by my faith and not my disbelief. And that is my challenge to you this morning. When you approach Jesus, you want to amaze him, not with your disbelief, but with your faith. So ask him of big things. 
those missing pieces in your life, they can be made whole and full and complete. But you got to ask him and you approach him as Lord and you approach him with humility and you ask him with faith and you will see that he will reward you. Amen? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says, It is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. That is what I want you to know this morning. God is a rewarder. He rewards. Shiloh and I, he love. Shiloh and I, we were married 2001. We stood at the altar and we said yes to one another. And we wanted to serve the Lord for the rest of our lives. Um, and I want you to know that Shiloh is God's reward to me. Or one of them, at least. He's rewarded me with many things. But she is one of the greater ones that he has rewarded me. You see, when my father, uh, when I was 17, my father said something to me that challenged me. He said, I want you, I want you to pray and fast for your for your future wife. I had no idea in Sweden that I was going to meet an Indian in the United States. Impossible, right? But I prayed and I fasted for her. And I prayed specifically, God, would you protect her? Would you guide her? Would you lead her? Would you keep her holy? And I prayed specifically, would you put these gifts in her life? Would you put these personality traits in her? And in fact, I wrote those prayers all down in my prayer journal when I was 17 and I still have them. And it is amazing how faithfully and how often God answered all of those prayers. God rewards us when we pray in faith. Amen? Things weren't always easy for us. Uh, we were childless for many, many years, and we desperately wanted a baby. And it was hard, and we kept on praying. We stormed the throne of God, and we, we cried out, God, give us a baby. And, and it was so hard. And year and after year just passed, and it was just difficult. The whole world turned from color into gray. It was depressing, and it was especially hard on Shiloh because I remember she had to organize Mother's Day at the church where we were at, and it was hard. And then another year passed and another Mother's Day came and still no child and we kept on praying and it was so hard it became almost impossible to pray those prayers again and again and again and over and over and over again. It became a point for Shiloh where just she was just really tired. Um, and so she wrote out a prayer on a note and she bought a locket and she put that little slip on the, with, the, with the prayer note and into that locket and she would wear it around her neck as a prayer to the Lord. It was just hard. It was difficult. But thank the Lord for praying, for a praying church around us, for a praying family around us. My mother-in-law, she runs a big ministry in India and she's watching, hey, 
Uh, every year she uh, comes to raise support for her ministry in India, and so she stays with us. And, and every morning she gets up early and she prays, and I can hear her prayers. And she would pray for us. In 2007, she would pray for us to have a baby, to have a miracle baby. And I will never forget uh, when we took her to the airport uh, to say our goodbyes, uh, and she had to travel back home to India. Uh, and as we always do with my mother-in-law, when it is time to say goodbye, we, we form a little circle and we pray. And so we did that uh, right before security. She had to go into security. Uh, and, and, and after she said amen, she looked up and she prophesied over us. And she said, in September, this was in August, in September, you will have great news from your doctor. And it was confirmed that in September, Shiloh was pregnant. Why am I sharing these personal stories with you? I'm sharing them with you because I want you to know that God rewards us. He's a good God. And when we pray in faith, he rewards us. He loves to do that. And you may be sitting here thinking now that the reward in the Roman officer's life was the healing of his servant. And, and yes, to a certain extent, that was the reward. And you may think that Shiloh, was, Shiloh becoming my wife was a reward to me. And yes, I've said that was a reward, but that's not really it either. It's not the full, it's not the supreme reward. Same thing with Esther, a miracle baby. Not, not the main reward. You see, the main reward is in the communion with God Almighty. It is not in the gift that's the reward. It is in, not in the hand of God that's the reward. It is in the fellowship with him. It is in the intimacy with him. It is when my heart links with him. That is the big reward. And he has made that possible for us. It's an amazing thing that God who sits upon the throne, the the Alpha and the Omega wishes to have fellowship and intimacy with me. That is the reward. It's not the wish list. It's not, it's, it's not the prayer list answered that is ultimately the reward. The reward is in the intimacy with a mighty and a living God. When I pray, I have an audience with the ancient of days, and that is a reward. That's amazing to me. He is the one who is seated in glory and wrapped and robed in light. Have you ever been swept away in prayer? When the glory of God comes in such waves that time ceases, where one hour, two hours, three hours just pass, and you don't know where the time went because you've just, you've just been in the presence of a mighty God. That's the reward I'm talking about. Doesn't always happen when I pray, but often. And it's such a sweet reward. I love the fellowship of Almighty God. He is God with us. 
and he desperately wants to know us, to know you intimately and deeply. What you and I are missing in our lives is the practice of his presence. His presence. His presence is the only thing that can fill that missing part. Oh, I wish that Freddie Mercury would have experienced it. And I pray that Jim Carrey will experience it. That missing part. And my prayer for you this morning is that you also would be rewarded by that. Look again at Hebrews 11. It says, Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. The reward is him. It is him. That toddler toy that we all know about, the one with all the shapes, the circle, the square, the round, the star, and all of those that just fit perfectly into the different corresponding shaped holes. Well, I want you to know that you have a box like that. And there is a God-sized shaped hole in your life. And there is only one way to fill it. And that's when you're rewarded by the presence of God. And until you fill that, you will constantly pursue other things in your life. You will continuously pursue other things in your life. So we need to practice the presence of God. How do I pray like that, you may think? You may say, how do, I, how do I get to know God like that intimately? How do I approach God in such a way? Well, we can learn from the Roman officer. We can learn a great deal from that, yes. He acknowledged the greatness of Jesus. He came with humility. He prayed with empathy. Uh, and he had great faith. And we can learn from that. But we need to recognize that we need to learn how to practice the presence of God. You have to learn that. The disciples, they asked Jesus, teach us how to pray. And I must confess to you that I, I pray that prayer almost every single day. And I'm the prayer pastor. <laughs> I still ask Jesus, Teach me to pray. I can learn something new when it comes to prayer. The other thing that I recommend is that you come to prayer circles. It happens every third Sunday of the month. Come and learn how to pray. We practice the presence of God together. Are you with me this morning? This is another analogy I quickly want to give you. Uh, you can... You can watch people run, right? You can watch people run. And you can, you can glean maybe certain insights in running techniques from watching and observing other runners. But if you want to learn how to run, guess what? <laughs> You're going to have to run. That's the only way. And it's the same thing with prayer. I believe that prayer can be taught, and it is effectively taught corporately like this. And it is effectively taught when we listen corporately to other people when they are praying. But ultimately, prayer is caught when you pray and you spend time alone with 
Jesus. When you practice the presence of God alone, that's when prayer is caught. As a young man, I was told that if I really wanted to know God, I needed to fast. And so uh, I just threw myself into that and studied, and, 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 I, and I tried to find out as much as I could about prayer and fasting. And, and I learned quite quickly that fasting is God's way of tenderizing our hearts so that we can experience more of him. It's a way that God tenderizes our hearts and make make our hearts soft so that we can receive from him. Throughout Scripture, especially in the Old Testament, we read that people fasted because they needed to humble themselves before the Lord. So fasting is a way where we humble ourselves before the Lord. There are many different types of fasts in the Old Testament. And in the New Testament, Jesus teaches about fasting. He says in Matthew that when you fast, not if you fast. So we have an expectation from Jesus that we need to fast. He says when you fast. And then he goes on teaching about fasting. When the Bible talks about fasting, what does it really mean? Fasting is the abstaining from food to spend concentrated times in prayer for a specific purpose. I understand that for some of you, uh, fasting food, abstaining from food is not possible because you're pregnant or, or you're really little or, 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 or um, you're on some medication or you have a medical condition. And I understand that. But there are other things that you can fast. There are other things that you can abstain from. The idea is to give up something that will allow you to spend more time in the presence of the Lord for a specific purpose. And the very best thing is that if what you are fasting, what you are giving up, what you are abstaining from is actually a sacrifice for you that will remind you that you need to hunger for God. That's the best thing to do. I know some of you would benefit from a food fast. I'm not saying that because I think you guys are big or anything. <laughs> I'm saying that because I know that it takes a long time to prepare a meal. Did you know that it takes an average of three hours to prepare a meal between getting the groceries, preparing the meal, consuming the meal, cleaning up? It takes about three hours. Could you imagine what you could do and what you could pray for in three hours? There is a reason why we abstain from food. When I was 16 or 17, my cousin and I had decided that we were going to spend seven days praying and fasting together at my grandparents' cabin. Uh, and before, before we did that, uh, we were young and dumb, um, we, we, uh, we laid out a huge table of, of appetizers, plural, uh, main courses, plural, desserts, plural, and we just ate it all because <laughs> we were going to fast the next day. <laughs> a water fast at that. Uh, if you've ever fasted a water fast, a water fast is when you only drink water, right? 
There are other fasts where you can do partial fasts and so forth, and we'll get into that in a little bit. But we had decided we are going to do this water fast because we wanted to really get to know God, right? <laughs> oh, well, the first day went okay. And we did spend some time praying and reading the Bible. But the second day, oh, man, we hit a wall. It was impossible. We just laid in bed. I remember it was so hard. It was, it, I had to crawl out of bed because I was so listless. It was so difficult. And, and, and during that time, my wife's grandfather came in and he, and he said this to us, Boys, if you're going to fast, you need to pray. <laughs> and then he turned around and left the room. And that taught me an important lesson. It taught me a really, really important lesson that the biblical fasting is not just about abstaining. Get that up on the screen. It's not just about the abstaining. Fasting is about abstaining so that I can more effectively tune out distractions and tune into God. So we broke our fast (laughs) so we could spend some time in the presence of the Lord. As we pray and as we fast, we practice the presence of God. That's what I want you to understand this morning. When we practice, when we pray and fast, we practice the presence of God. We have something here at Cedar Valley Church called the Big So What. And this is my Big So What. Prayer and fasting invites God's presence. (laughs) I had to get a P in there, right? <laughs> Prayer and fasting invites God's presence. Now you'll remember that, right? <laughs> Too many of us, we live out our lives without really experiencing the presence of God. And it is the presence of God that fills that missing part in your life, that void in your life. I don't want you to miss out. I want you to be rewarded this morning. I have prayed, God, would you show up with your glory? Would you touch your people? Would you make us hungry for your presence? (laughs) Maybe you're here and, and, and you're ready to start new this year. And I know that God is ready. He is raring to go this morning. He wants to show off. I firmly believe that God is a show off. He loves to display his glory to his people. Our job is to respond to him with hunger and thirst and say, I need you. I want you. I desire you. I'm praying that you are there with your heart this morning because you can experience intimacy with the Lord like never before. Adam and Eve before the fall. What do you think they were talking to God about? It says in the Bible that God came in the cool of the day and he talked to Adam and Eve. There was no need, there was no pain, there was no sickness In other words, Adam and Eve, they didn't have a long prayer list and wish list of things that they needed God to do in their life. What did they talk about? They just fellowship with God. They practiced his presence. The curse of sin has been broken. And we are living in a time when Jesus has made it possible for us to have that intimate, that same glorious 
relationship with God the Father. When I practice the presence of God, I declare my dependence on him. I declare my dependence on him. I want you to know that prayerlessness in our lives is a declaration of independence from God. I know I'm challenging you this morning, but let me just repeat that one more time because I know it's important. Prayerlessness is a declaration of independence from God. Moses knew that he needed God's presence. He says in Exodus chapter 33, How will anyone know that you look favorably on me and your people if you don't go with us? For your presence among us sets your people apart from all other people on earth. It is the presence of God that sets you apart at your workplace. It is the presence of God that sets you apart at your school. It is the presence of God that sets Cedar Valley apart in the community. And in order for the presence of God to be here, we need to learn how to practice the presence of God. So now what? What do we do? We have a big so what and a big now what? What do we do? On your way out uh, from the service this morning, you're going to receive a card. And I want you to grab a hold of that card, and you can see it up here on the screens. We have a call to pray and fast. These upcoming two weeks, we're going to end it right before or uh, on uh, the house party on the 16th. But this is, this is how you can spend some time with the Lord. Maybe, maybe you are new to prayer. And I, I found that the, the acronym PRAY is helpful. Simply pause and be still. Reflect on God's character and nature. Ask God. Yield. I understand that you're not going to leave this room and you're going to start praying three hours a day. I know that. Prayer is a muscle. It needs to be exercised and built up. We practice the presence of God. We start somewhere. And this is where we start. So if you want to participate in our prayer and fasting, what can you fast? What can you abstain from? Is it social media? Is it TV? or Is it a meal? We have decided, the pastoral staff, that we're going to pray and fast during the lunch hour. And so you are welcome to come Uh, Monday through Friday, and you can pray with us in the theater. We're going to pray there. We're going to pray and fast lunch throughout these two weeks. And we're going to be specific because I said that when we fast, we pray with a purpose. We pray specifically. And so on the other side of that card, on Mondays, we're going to pray for Cedar Valley. On Tuesdays, we're going to pray for our neighbors. On Wednesdays, we're going to pray for nations. Thursdays, authorities, and so on and so forth. There's a passage of scripture there to give you some verbiage, some language for your prayers as well. But I would love for you to take this, put it up on your refrigerator, or put it in your Bible or in your journal, and pray with us. Fast and pray. Practice God's presence. Pray with faith, because when we pray with faith, God rewards us. He rewards you with his presence. Yes, that's the key thing, but also these things. And there's some mighty things that we've put down there as prayer requests. And I would love for you to join with me 
with us in that prayer. We're going to sing a song in conclusion. And how do we respond to a message like this? I want you to respond with hunger. I want you to be touched by the presence of God today. I want you to have your heart jolted by understanding that I, I, I need that presence of God. Maybe you've never experienced the presence of God in that way before. Today is your day. I would like the altar workers to come forward at this time, the prayer team members just stand up here and we're gonna, we're gonna have a time in the presence of God. He's gonna come and he's gonna touch people's lives. We're gonna pray Come, come, come forward right now. We're going to pray that God is going to move powerfully in our midst. Psalms 27, one thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever, that I may look upon his beauty and inquire in his temple. For David, it was about the presence of God. It was about being in his presence. That was his reward. In just a few verses further, David says that my heart has heard you, God, say, come and talk to me. And my heart responds, I am coming. Is your heart listening? Because God is saying to you, Come and talk to me. <laughs> Is your heart responding today, saying, I am coming? <laughs>